Let's have a picture in my mind just as we're worshipping God there. Just to, someone outside a curtain just looking in and sort of thinking, I wonder what life is like behind that curtain. Maybe it's a, a circus or just, just imagine this person looking, behind, looking through this crack in the curtain and thinking, what is life like behind that curtain? I just feel like God is maybe saying to some people that you feel like you've been outside that curtain. You feel like you've been watching these people experiencing God and having this great time with God. But God desires that you would step through into that curtain. It's not a VIP room. It's not a special place that you can't go. God desires that we would all come into his presence. And it's not about coming into a place. It's about realizing that where, what he has done and what, where, where he is, that he is here with us right now. I just want to ask if we could just close our eyes just for a moment. Lord God, we just thank you for your presence here with us. And Lord, I just pray for anyone who, that may be a true picture for them, that they just feel like they are behind that, that veil, that curtain that would just cut them off from that, that special private place with you. God, I pray today that you would help them just to step through that curtain. But God, that they would know your presence with them. Lord God, that they would know that you accept them as they are. Lord, we, we come to you, we, we, we repent of our sin. Lord, we want to turn away from our sin, but Lord, you accept us just as we are. You don't wait for us to fix our lives up that we would become good enough for you. Amen. But God, I just thank you that we can step into that place, that we can come through that curtain, that we, every one of us, can enjoy that privilege of spending time with you and knowing that you are with us wherever we go, whatever we do. We just give you thanks and praise, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Have your way in us, Lord, I pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. Um, I'm going to ask Sam to come, and uh, let's give Sam a hand as she's coming up now. Hello, everybody. (laughs) Good morning. Um, In case you didn't catch that, my name is Sam and it's my pleasure to be able to be up here speaking to you all this morning. Um, Yeah, I've really been looking forward to chatting with you guys about what God's put on my heart today. Um, I've been given a topic by Coxie in uh, line with our series at the moment, which is called CFC Core Values. So we're going through um, the core values of this church, of Christian Family Church, Um, and yeah, I'm really excited to share with you guys because God's been teaching me and showing me some stuff. So really hope that, um, yeah, that the Spirit will be speaking to each one of you this morning. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your church, God. I thank you that church isn't just a building. It isn't just a time and a place, but it's a group of people. It's a body of believers, Father. And I thank you for this local body of Christ in, uh, in Colac, Father, and thank you for everyone gathered this morning, Lord. Pray that you would speak through me, God, um, by your spirit, that people would grow in wisdom and understanding, um, and yeah, that your blessing would just be over people this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. So, yeah, like I said, we've been going through CFC core values. Um, there was a few weeks where we looked at core value number one, which is biblical truth, and that as a church, 
we, um, we value biblical truth. We, what we believe comes from the Bible. We stand on the word of God as absolute truth. Um, and so Coxie spent a few weeks going on that one. And then for the last two weeks um, or so, we've been talking about the body of Christ. And if that's not a familiar term to you, the body of Christ is basically just a group of people. It's the body of Christ is the church. It's um, Christians, people who have given their lives to Jesus. Um, and Coxie has been speaking the last couple of weeks that everyone's different in the body of Christ. It's not like we're all turned into these clones that all have to do exactly the same thing and be robots. Um, but the body of Christ is a group of people that God has created who realize how amazing the Heavenly Father is, who have accepted Jesus into their life, and God has a special plan for the body of Christ that we will touch on in a second. But last week in particular, you may have remembered, Coxie had all of these cardboard boxes up here on stage. Um, <laughs> and yeah, he was sharing, um, you might remember, First Peter chapter 2, verse 5, um, was talking about that we are all living stones and we're all built into a spiritual house. So it says, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So if this is your first time here this morning and you're like, what, cardboard boxes, what, what's been happening? That's okay. Um, I want to say a big warm welcome to anyone who's here for the first time or anyone who's visiting, because I know there's a few of you like that this morning. Um, but what I'll be talking about is the sanctity of the body of Christ and that we should protect that sanctity. Now, sanctity and sanctification, they're big, scary, religious-sounding words, right? Anyone agree with me on that one? Um, so I'm going to try as best I can this morning to break that down so we can all understand it. So, sanctity. The word sanctity means the state of being holy, and holy means being without sin. So, for example, God is always in a state of sanctity. He's without sin. He cannot be with sin. Sin cannot be with him. So sanctity is a state of being without sin. Sanctification, just like a stretched out version of that word, is the transformation. It's the process of being transformed from the sinful nature to the divine nature. Now, when a person surrenders to Jesus, when they accept what Jesus did for them on the cross and accept, yes, God, I've been a sinful person. I've not been living according to your word, according to your way for me. And someone accepts Jesus' forgiveness and starts to live under Jesus, as, with Jesus as their Lord and their Savior, then they are given a new nature. So that's what this is talking about, going from the sinful nature to the divine nature. Each of us are born with a sinful nature. Even from little kids, what are we doing? We're fighting, we're, we're disagreeing and disobeying our mums and dads and things like that. We're born with a sinful nature, but when we give our life to Christ and come to know his forgiveness and his power, then that kickstarts our step into the d divine nature. It's not like you wake up the next day and you're perfect and you never sin again. <laughs> that would be amazing if it was that easy. Um, but this is what sanctification is all about. It's a process of being transformed from the old nature to the new nature, and we can only do that with the Holy Spirit. We can't do it by ourselves, which is a relief, let me tell you, 
who's ever tried to be perfect for a day. It's not possible. <laughs> um, so there are a bunch of questions that might arise when talking about protecting the sanctity of the church. So for example, some questions might be, how can the church be sanctified when it's responsible for some dark things? Does the church's reputation in history prove that the church is not sanctified? How, how can we and why should we protect the sanctity of the church? What's the point? What does that even look like? And how do we react to how the church has perhaps hurt people? There might be people even in this room right now, there might be people listening to the podcast who might be in a place where they feel like they've been betrayed by people in the church. How do we react to that? So the first one we're going to touch on is, is the church sanctified and how is this possible? So I'll, I'll begin by explaining that the church is made up of ordinary people, people like you, people like me, people like you see all around the world, um, made up of ordinary people. The only difference is each one of us have given our lives to Jesus. We've been forgiven by him, and we've been washed clean of all of our sins, but we're still, we still unfortunately make mistakes. Um, now, when we become a Christian, when we're brought into relationship with the Father, now we're invited to participate in his divine plan for the world. And the way that we participate in this divine plan is by acting as the body of Christ, both individually and collectively. And as we live new lives under the authority of Jesus, we are called to participate in that divine nature uh, and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desire. So 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4 describes this so brilliantly, and it's really an encouragement. And it says, His divine power has given us everything we need, everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his great and very precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. This is the process of sanctification. It's kick-started by Jesus' sacrifice on the cross and continually takes place as we surrender to God every single day, escape the sinful nature, and learn as a process how to live by the Spirit. And so as we each do this individually and therefore collectively as a church, that is how the church becomes sanctified. If we live by what the Word is saying here. Another question you might have is, what if I've been hurt by the church? How do, I, how do I react to this? How do I think about all of this? So I want to explain to you that although the church is the body of Christ, actions committed by Christians, sinful actions committed by Christians, are not reflective of Jesus. If you've been hurt by, by someone who said that they were a Christian and they've done something that's offended you or hurt you or something like that, if they have been in the wrong, if they have done something that's not good and not kind, it's not reflective of Jesus. And if, you're in, if you are in that place where you say that you've been hurt by the church, I'll say one of two things maybe has happened here. Number one, like I've already said, people do bad things 
God does not. If, if you've been hurt by the church, know that it's not God who did this to you. It was a flawed person. And here's an unpopular opinion, someone just like you. <laughs> um, and second, second of all, this is going to be even more unpopular. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps, stop and consider maybe, perhaps the church has not acted in a wrong way. Perhaps you're the one with an attitude that needs changing. Um, that can be a hard, that can be something that's quite hard to swallow a lot of the time. But I want to encourage you because in James chapter 4, verse 10, it says, Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. It doesn't say humble yourself before the Lord and he's going to push your face further down into the dirt than it already is. <laughs> That's not the nature of God. Yeah, it's a funny one. Um, <laughs> it says humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. He will exalt you. And so this is where trust in God is so important because if you don't trust God, if you don't trust that as you humble yourself, as you're willing to admit that maybe I'm in the wrong here, um, if, if you don't trust him, then it's going to be so hard to humble yourself. But God is good. He is loving. He is full, and for, uh, full of forgiveness and grace for you. If you haven't been told that before, I'm telling you that this morning. Um, and so humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Okay, next question. What does it look like to protect the sanctity of the church? Does it look like getting all defensive when people bring up all of the bad things that, you know, maybe priests have done or maybe when people try to accuse the church of being full of self-righteous hypocrites? Does it look like getting all defensive and trying to, to argue and debate with our words? Does it look like trying to keep up appearances? trying to make the church look good? Does it look like covering up and patching up every, all of the problems within the church and being like, no, no, it's okay, we're all perfect, we're all, there's no sin here in the church, we're all perfect, you know, we're, we're fantastic. <laughs> I'm going to say no, it's none of those things. What does it look like to protect the sanctity of the church? It looks like living out a life of holiness, of being sanctified, and when we fall short, not if we fall short, when we fall short, adopt the grace of Jesus as an attitude to those who are struggling, others around us, and everyone point to yourself, say, and me too. Yeah, good. <laughs> I'm saying that to myself this morning too. Um, we need to walk alongside one another and love one another despite our failings. So let me reiterate for you, protecting the sanctity of the church is not about trying to save a reputation. It's not trying to save face. It's about intentionally structuring our lives as the body of Christ. If you're a Christian, you are a part of this. It's about intentionally structuring our lives around God in order to participate in that divine nature as he sanctifies each one of us and therefore the church. Okay, so we've talked about the, the how to go about it, but why? What's, what's the importance? Why should any of you be listening this morning? Why should anyone walk out of this building um, with their mind perhaps changed on anything this morning? The body of Christ, the church is the body of Christ, and so it has an important role to play in the world. 
God has a divine plan for the world. He wants, he wants people to come to him. He wants everyone to be washed clean from sin. He wants no one to perish. He wants everyone to come to him to be saved by his son Jesus and enter into eternal life with him. That is God's will. That is his heart for the world. And we, the church, are to be the vessel through which Jesus reveals himself to the lost, to the broken. If we, the church, are corrupted by sin, our effectiveness will be damaged. God still can use broken people, don't get me wrong, but sin has a habit of distorting God's perfect plan. So let's try to fight against it, not in our own strength though. Matthew 5, uh, verse 13, Jesus says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. The church needs to remain salty. Salt has flavor. It's fantastic. It takes a bland dish and it makes it like amazing, something you might find on MasterChef or even better. Um, salt is a preservative. It has so many useful, valuable properties. But if it loses its saltiness, if it's just the same as everything around it, around it and it loses its, its values and its, its properties, then the Bible says it's no longer good for anything. It's no longer effective. It's, what does it say? It says, except to be thrown out and trampled by men. The church needs to remain salty. If we aren't allowing the spirit and the divine nature to permeate our lives and transform the way we think, feel, believe and act, ergo, if we're not being sanctified, being brought from the sinful nature to this divine nature, then we are losing our saltiness and are no longer effective. Now, if your perspective on holy living, on being sanctified, is that I'm just incapable of doing that, I'm just not good enough, or and what difference will it make anyway if I you know, don't try to go after that sort of thing, I want to remind you, you are the body of Christ. I can't look everyone in the eye at the same time, but just pretend I am. You are the body of Christ. Um, not just everyone sitting around you here on a Sunday morning, not just the Christians facing persecution in faraway countries, not just the you know, high-profile preachers and, and ministers and evangelists that maybe you hear about. You, you have a higher calling. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27 says, You are the body of Christ. Each one of you is a part of it. I can't stress that enough. So let's take a look at uh, a taking action on this whole protecting the sanctity of the body of Christ thing. Remember, it's not about purely trying to defend a reputation with our words. It's about living out that sanctification in our own lives by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because think about it, there's so many people that I know that, I know there's so many people in this room right now that have a heart to see people in their lives, people around the world, saved by Jesus. I know that for a fact. And so people who aren't saved, who maybe have like this outside perspective looking into the church, if all they see is just a group of people that 
live exactly the same way as everyone else in the world. The only difference is perhaps they go to church on a Sunday morning or maybe they do read the Bible but it's not affecting their life in, in any way then honestly, what, what sort of a testimony is that? How is that showing them that the power of God is, what's the word, permeates who we are to our very core? <laughs> it's about living out that sanctification in each of our own lives. All right, so if you've got your Bible this morning, I want to encourage you to open up to the book of Ephesians. It's in the New Testament with all of the other Ians, Corinthians, 1st and 2nd, Galatians, Ephesians, all of those. Um, And we're opening up to chapter 5, and we'll read through the first 20 verses. At youth on a Friday night, so I, if if you don't know me, I run the youth group here at church um, on a Friday night, and quite often if kids, if the youth bring their Bibles, we give them a chocolate I don't have a chocolate for everyone this morning, but I want to just at least encourage you that if, if you were a youth member and you, you came to youth with your Bible, you would maybe get a chocolate. The Bible is worth a lot more than getting a bit of chocolate, but I want to encourage you guys. It's important. Read your Bible. Bring it to church. Get to know it. Okay, hopefully we've all find, found it by now. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 to 20. I follow God's example, therefore, as dearly beloved children... Here we go. And walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, there must be not even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be any obscenity, foolish talk or coarse joking which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible. And everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, Wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity. We have a new opportunity, multiple opportunities every day, guys. Every day is a new day full of new forgiveness and grace by God. Let's make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, 
always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, indeed. Um, <laughs> so that, that was a big chunk of Bible right there. Um, and in that was a whole lot of practical advice, a lots, of, lots of do's and lots of don'ts. Um, so I'll just quickly recap some of, the, some of the do's, some of the don'ts, just so we can kind of summarize it a little bit. So here's a recap. Walk in the way of love. Don't be sexually immoral or impure. Don't be greedy. Don't use your words for obscenity, foolishness, or coarse joking. Even if that's the Australian culture, we're called to a higher culture. Instead, thanksgiving. Don't be deceived by liars. Don't partner with these people. Discover what pleases God and aim for that. Expose dark deeds. Not just in, in people around you. Expose dark deeds. Ask God to, tell, to show to you, God, where am I not submitting to you in my own life? And another super important one in the Australian culture, don't get drunk. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. These are practical instructions that can be a great tool. The Bible is an amazing tool. It is useful and powerful and effective if we live by it. These are practical instructions that can point us in the right direction when it comes to holy living and sanctification. But there can be two ways to react to this. First one could be, oh, wow, this is great practical advice. Now I can like, see what is good, what is not good. That's awesome if, you, if that's you this morning. But I'm aware that there might be some people that read all that and they go, whoa, that's a lot of rules. That's a lot of do's and don'ts. And I don't even know how to deal with all of that. It might feel a bit overwhelming. It can feel like a giant wave that's just like looming over you, threatening to crash at any moment. I want to encourage you. Here's the good news. We're not called to do these own things in our own strength. You're not left to your own devices after reading the Bible. And so we're going to explore what that means uh, in the book of Galatians, which is just one book prior uh, to Ephesians. So open up to the book of Galatians, chapter 5 as well, um, and we're going to read from verses 16 to 25. So verse 16 says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. I'm going to say that again because it's a ripper verse. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do what you want, whatever you want. Anyone else ever felt like there's this war going on inside of them? That's what's happening, guys. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Verse 19. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. 
Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh, have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and its desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Whew. Living out this passage will unlock the process of sanctification. We are called to live by the Spirit. We're not called to just follow a set of rules and have, you know, red marks against our name every time we stuff up. We're not called to, what's the word, be a flagellant and punish ourselves every time we stuff up. No, we're called to live by the Spirit, to get, get our strength from Him, to get our direction from Him. When we muck up, we have a Heavenly Father if you ever feel like a prodigal son or a prodigal daughter and you feel like you've run away from God and you've done bad things, you've made mistakes, the nature of God is loving, is forgiving, is graceful, and that grace is for you this morning and every day of your life. So in that uh, passage that we just read, we see the acts of the flesh um, from verses 19 to 21 is talking about the acts of the flesh I'll just go over some of them again. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, uh, jealousy, rage, selfishness, drunkenness, envy. All of these different things are acts of the flesh. And then from verse 22 onwards, it tells us about the fruit of the Spirit. So these are, these are things that we will naturally begin to produce as we have that process of sanctification in our own lives and as we learn to live by the Spirit. And many people have maybe heard the song to do with this verse, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. How awesome does that sound? Can you imagine living a life with nothing but that? That would be fantastic. Like I said, so we can see in this passage the acts of the flesh being compared with the fruits of the Spirit. This can be a great tool for us to measure how we are going with holy living, sanctification. Ask yourself, does my life look like what is mentioned uh, of the fruit of the Spirit, or does my life contain acts of the flesh? If you can see the acts of, your acts of the flesh in your life, don't run away and hide. Don't run from God. Run to Him. Humble yourself before Him. Submit to Him, and He will make your path straight. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. Verse 25 of Galatians 5 says for us to keep in step with the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. Um, a couple of weeks ago at youth, I wasn't here that particular night, but we had a dress-up night. Um, and two of our girls, Laura and Belle, hey Laws, hey Belle, shout out to you girls. Um, and part of their outfit or um, costume for the night was that they had to link arms for the whole night, yeah? <laughs> and so I didn't see it. I would, have been, I would have really loved to have seen that. But they spent the entire... So the program runs for two hours from 7.30 till 9.30. Um, shameless plug there. Um, Friday nights during the school, school term. Um, but yeah, they had to spend two full hours linked arm in arm doing everything that was going on at youth. And we don't like just sit down the whole time like we often do at church. We, we like to run around and get active. And so these girls were having to do like games, run around games with their arms linked. I think there was maybe an obstacle course involved, was there? Yep, they had to do an obstacle course with their arms linked. And 
you know, in some ways it, it was much more difficult for them than the rest of the youth that were running around just by themselves sort of thing. And, and it wasn't easy for them, but they, they placed a high value on, you know, linking arms for the entire night. It's something they decided, it's something they committed to. Um, and we can, we can take a lot from that because, you know what, keeping in step with the Spirit can be a difficult task because a lot of the time our default can be to cut ourselves off from, from other people, from each other, and especially from God. That can be like a default setting for us a lot of the time. And so to live by the Spirit takes intention. It takes commitment. It takes being switched on, being like, whoa, have I gotten out of step with the Spirit here? Okay, let's come back in step with the Spirit. Let's listen to what He's saying. Let's see what the Bible has to say. Uh, Let's see how my brothers and sisters can encourage me to step, uh, keep in step with the Spirit. Without God, without Jesus, without the Holy Spirit, we can do no good. Let's make cleaving to Him our first priority in life. And I don't say that lightly. That is a big deal. First priority in life. There's a lot of big things in life. But we need to make living by the Spirit our first priority in life. We are called to do this by the Spirit. We're called to be sanctified. Move from this sinful nature to this divine nature by the Spirit. And also, not just in our own lives, but also to care for and tend to the other parts of the body of Christ. So let's continue reading Uh, In the book of Galatians, uh, just skipping down to chapter 6 and just the first two verses. It says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. So we've talked about each one of us being sanctified by holy living and living by the Spirit. But another way to protect the sanctity of the body of Christ is to help the other parts of the body. It's kind of like um, when you go on an aeroplane and the air hostesses are telling you what to do in the case of an emergency and how they always encourage you, you know, if, if something would happen to the plane, um, they say oxygen masks will fall from the ceiling. You may have heard this metaphor before because it's a good one. Um, and they always say, make sure you put on your own mo- oxygen mask first before helping other people around you. And it's the same with holy living. We can't, we can't just be trying to help other people um, you know, commit to holy living if we're not setting that example ourselves first. It's just not going to work. So, how do I help my brothers and sisters turn away from sin effectively? This is a real question that I have a lot of my life. How do I help my brothers and sisters turn away from sin effectively without coming across as overbearing or high and mighty or condescending or hypocritical and all of those yucky things that you can feel like you're being? So the Bible says in, in that verse 1 of Galatians 6, to restore them gently doesn't say to chastise, it doesn't, tell, doesn't say to wag your finger at them and go, um, but to restore and gently too. If someone you know is caught in a sin, love them first of all. Like what Coxie was saying last week, pray first, love first. Try to see what has caused them to become caught in this sin. 
Perhaps, perhaps they don't understand something about the Word of God, and so perhaps they don't understand the power of God in their lives, and if someone might be able to show them that, then that could help them out a lot. Um, and yeah, if you can offer them help out of this sin while redirecting them back to the Spirit, then that would be amazing. Grace is the key. But sometimes there's just not a whole lot we can do practically to help someone out of sin. Sometimes it just looks like showing them. If they're not already aware, a lot of the time perhaps they are, but if they're not already aware, perhaps it's just like showing them, hey, you know I love you, you know I care about you, and so I have to say what is happening here in your life, that part of it is not, it's not good, it's not godly, it's not God's plan for you. So it might just look like showing them that's not the right way to go about it and then just lifting them up in prayer. Whether they'll let you pray for them right then and there or whether you just you know, spend time just with you and God lifting up this person in prayer. Let's value prayer in this church, guys. Let's value the power of prayer. We must do all of this in love. It can't come from a high and mighty place. It can't come from a place of, oh, I'm so much further along in my faith than you are, and so I'm just going to you know, reach down, extend my hand, and gracefully... No, we are no one's saviour, okay? Like, we're all, we're all struggling. We're all, we've all got our, our own things that we're dealing with. Let's, let's deal with one another in love, okay? Um, and let's remember that we do have a responsibility to love one another and to help one another, but ultimately, we are not in control of anyone else's life. God, God, the, the creator of the entire universe, cannot, he will not make anyone, you know, seek him after, um, even if their will is against it. He will never take away free will, and so we don't have the right to do that other either. Also, the second part of Galatians 6 verses 1 to 2, I want to remind everyone that none of us are bulletproof. Don't let yourself be tempted by the very thing you're trying to help someone out of. As a teenager, I was trained as a surf lifesaver down at Apollo Bay, woo, um, and one of the things we were trained in was how to rescue some, uh, a drowning person with this thing called a, a tube. It was just like a yellow foam floating tube um, and so like if you were on patrol and there's someone out um, and they're drowning they're struggling and they're like oh my goodness help me save me I'm drowning so the lifesaver would uh, get this yellow tube it was about this long about this wide and it was attached to a, a like a, a cord and then it had a strap that would go around the lifesaver's um, shoulders and so what you do is you'd, you'd you'd put the strap on and you'd swim out to this person but we were taught that you don't swim straight up to this person and be like, you know, right here and be like, hey, it's okay, I've got you, you're fine. Because if someone's drowning, if someone's panicking, having a really hard time keeping their head above water, and you come up really close to them, what is their instinct going to be? Absolutely, they're going to claw for whatever they can to keep their head above water because we have an instinct to survive, praise God for that. Um, <laughs> and so we were taught, like, you know, I remember one of the first times, or just like a very uh, vivid memory I have is one time they had a bunch of us young teenagers, surf lifesavers in a room, they're like, okay, well, in, in, the, in the case of emergency and where you need to save someone and look after someone, who 
takes first priority in this situation and like everyone's just like, well, obviously the person who's in danger, like, duh. Um, but then, I know, shocker, right? Um, and then it's like, no, you are your first priority because like in the case of that rubber tube swimming out to this person, you know, if you're coming straight up and to this person, they start clawing on you, pushing you under the water, it's going to go from, you know, someone being drowned and someone coming to rescue to two people drowning. And that's, you've just doubled and worsened the situation for yourself, for them, and it's just not good. So we were taught, you swim up to them, you keep a safe distance away, you throw them, um, try not to hit them in the head, you throw them the, the flotation device and they hold onto that and then once they can kind of catch their breath and calm down a little bit, you, kind of, you can kind of clip it around them and then the surf lifesaver would swim back to shore and tow them safely back to shore. And so it's the same thing when we're, when we're rescuing people from sin. We're not the rescuer. We are, we are a tool. We are the thing, the vessel that God uses to bring out that flotation device to help people keep their head above water. But don't let yourself be tempted by the very thing that you're trying to help someone out of. We don't want to end up with two drowning people. We want to give them the word of God first and they and so that they can learn to lean on God to get their head above water. Because we're not flotation devices. <laughs> we all sink too. Um, awesome. So in closing, why protect the sanctity of the body of Christ? Because the church's role to play in God's divine plan for this world is too important to be rendered ineffective by sin. How do we protect the sanctity of the body of Christ? It's not about defending the image of the church with our words. It's about defending the church with our actions, with how we live our lives. Do we want to show the world that the body of Christ is sanctified? Do that by how we live our lives. 1 Corinthians 4.20 says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. Is the power of God evident in your life? Also, let's be ready to help one another when we fall into sin. Grace, love, and wisdom are so important. And you know what else is important? Is accepting that, hey, look, I'm not perfect. Me, Sam Hampshire, I'm not perfect. There might come a time in my life where I'm giving into some sort of sin. I need to make a decision now that if, so, if one of my brothers and sisters comes to try to help me, I need to be humble enough to accept that help and to not push them away. And you need to almost make that decision even before you get into any sort of sin um, because otherwise we're just going to push people away and we're going to drown. So let's be humble enough to accept help. Let's ready to be ready to help one another. Let's live our lives and prioritize God. That's a big deal, but he is good. He is trustworthy. He can do so much more than you could ever possibly imagine in your life. Um, and so I'm just going to invite the band up just as I'm closing. And we're going to sing this song called New Wine. Um, I think the, the chorus goes something like, So make me a vessel, make me an offering, make me whatever you want me to be. And so as we sing these words, let's um, just in ourselves, let's ask God, if, if that's you this morning, if you're serious about... Um, being part of the body of Christ, about being part of God's divine plan for the world, sing these words um, 
and sing them to God. Don't sing them to the people around you. Don't sing them just to yourself. Like God's listening. And when we participate together in something as powerful as worship, like real, real things happen, real change happens, and, uh, and it's powerful. So awesome. I'll just quickly pray if that's all right, and you guys might like to start the, the song off. But um, Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for your love and your grace for us, God. We thank you that it is your heart to give us life. It's your heart to strengthen us. And it's your heart to forgive us when we, when we go wrong, um, when we make mistakes. Help us to come to you, Father. Uh, and Lord, I just pray that this morning that your spirit would just be permeating each one of us, God, that we would each uh, leave this morning feeling blessed or feeling like our eyes have been opened or whatever it is that you have for each person, God. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.